0: The gospel really is that simple it is that easy to share
1: welcome to engage your world brought to you by engage 360 ministries your place for evangelism training for the modern world i'm ibrahim inoa producer of the show you're about to hear have you ever struggled while sharing your faith with friends family neighbors colleagues or even co-workers if so then you've come to the right place today's talk features my colleagues matt schmidt CEO, and Jordan Apodaca, Content Director for Engage360 Ministries. Joining them by phone is Travis Pelletier, who serves with Ratio Christi as a campus minister at the University of Maine. They'll discuss evangelistic outreach opportunities on the university campus in general, an Engage360 evangelism training event that happened at the end of May, and an upcoming evangelistic outreach event at the University of Maine in September.
2: All right. Yeah. Thank you, Ibrahim. Really appreciate you, guys, you giving us an uh, introduction there. So we are here today to talk about uh, Engage You event up in Central Maine and uh, recent training that we did. And so uh, have Travis and Jordan here joining me. Really excited to talk to you guys.
3: Excited as well. And so, Matt, for those who are listening who aren't as familiar with our ministry You mentioned Engage You." How is that different than Engage 360? Is that a name for something more specific?
2: Yeah, yeah, no, that's definitely something that needs cleared up. So yes, Engage 360 is our ministry. Uh, One of the regular events we're gonna do uh, probably a couple of times a year are Engage You events. And so these are university-based events, uh, usually gonna be something like a three-day evangelistic outreach. So we'll have a lot of conversations on the sidewalk. We'll have ideally, 20 maybe even 30 people on campus at any given time having conversation with students around whiteboards uh you know questions that will elicit conversation that can go in a spiritual direction and then have a couple of talks each day as well on specific topics relevant to the university
3: awesome and so travis how are you involved in this why are you on the podcast today
0: yeah, well, I am actually a campus minister for a ministry called Ratio Christi, and we're basically a ministry that trains Christian students how to share and defend their faith with uh, with grace on college campuses. And for anyone who's been on a secular college campus, especially up here in the Northeast, you just can't assume that people know who Jesus is or know anything about the gospel. Uh, as, as a matter of fact, you actually it's better to assume they don't, because most people don't know anything about Uh, The Christian faith. So, to me, when Matt came to me and said they're doing events where you could bring 30 people on campus (laughs) to share the gospel and saturate the campus with with the basics of the Christian faith, I mean, that's just a huge win for me. So, I wanted to bring them up here to do it. Yeah, and we were excited to go
2: up there. So, very uh, excited to be able to head to the Northeast.
0: Yeah, and one of the really cool things that I thought they were doing with the event was they focus a lot on getting people from the community involved on that campus. So it's, they are bringing some people from around the country, but it's, it really does focus on bringing people from the Bangor and Orono community and getting them involved on their campus. And so I thought that was just an awesome opportunity to uh, help give some believers experience sharing their faith and at the same time, like I said, get the gospel on campus.
3: That's all really cool. So how do you get those 30 people or so? <laughs>
0: Yeah,
2: well, so so up there, up locally, uh, where the event is going to be held, uh, we'll be recruiting from local churches and local campus ministries, and so Travis is really the point person on organizing a lot of that. He's, he's the main one on the ground, making everything happen, and we're just providing support from a distance.
3: Okay, that's awesome. So that's one way, if you're passionate about the ministry of Engage360, you could potentially really get involved, is we can you can do some of that on the ground coordination. Um, yeah, Matt, you and Greg recently were up in Maine. Was that for the Engage You event or what were you guys doing up there?
2: Yeah, I would say it was related. So the first step, uh, something that's maybe unique or different about what we're doing with our Engage You events is not merely focusing on the three days that we're actually on campus and that's it, but trying to make that one part, though a very important part, of a broader strategy to encourage and motivate, equip and then mobilize the local Christians. So again, that's pulling people from local churches, local ministries and getting them involved. And so this first step was a, a two day evangelism training seminar. Uh, that we could offer in any church around the country or for any group um, and what we covered was not for the most part distinct to engage you it's our the basics of our evangelism strategy of you know what is the gospel what is the gospel not and then uh how how uh, do we apply biblical evangelism principles so this was the first step in training a group of christians who Most of which I think are excited to participate in the event, but it wasn't required that they had to sign up for the event, which will be happening in early September.
3: Okay, so we're recording right now in June, and so that's pretty far in advance, just giving people time to really uh, prepare and get themselves ready to do evangelism in that kind of – because you're talking about three days. Would that be basically all day on campuses
2: Three days, yeah, probably fourteen. At least twelve, maybe up to fourteen-hour days. Something like nine to, probably nine a.m. to nine or ten p.m. And uh, we expect that there will probably be conversations that continue on after, as long as people can can stay with it. So this is why we not only want to engage, you know. 10 20 30 people from the local area but also will hopefully be bringing not only members of our team uh, from engage 360 but also people who are viewing this as an opportunity to do a short-term missions trip focused on evangelism and the gospel in the northeast which i think is just an awesome opportunity and if people are interested uh, maybe even in the the notes um we'll be able to send out a link or on our on our website and facebook page we'll have a link to sign fill out a form to, to be able to apply, to be a volunteer, uh, and to do this as a short term mission trip. So we'll be getting that information out soon. Um, and not only did we do this training, but Travis, if I, if I understand correctly, you've already had requests from more people to do further evangelism training throughout the summer leading up to the event.
0: Yeah. I've had a, a church ask me to step up and do some training with their youth and another couple of individuals ask if they could take part in the training as well. So that's just been recently. Um, I do want to, if, if you don't mind me asking, you you had said 12 to 14 hour days on campus, but we're not going to be requiring <laughs> anyone to stay there for 12 to 14 hours. That is
2: a good point. Yes, that the whole idea, and I guess I implied this uh, to myself, but maybe not so clearly to everyone else. But the whole idea of having, you know, maybe upwards of 40 or 50 people total is that, you can have 20 to 25 or 30 active at any given time and others that are taking breaks, you know, resting, resting their voice, drinking water, taking a nap. Um, and it it is exhausting. It's emotionally exhausting. It's physically exhausting. It's, it's even spiritually exhausting. I think you could say, so we'll have, you know, teams that are, uh we also need people to be volunteers that are you know taking water to the different areas that we have set up and and you know delivering things back and forth, maybe uh passing information along and so it's not merely you have to be out there at the whiteboard being the one doing all the talking. you can be observing, you could be volunteering in other ways we're gonna have uh, lunches provided so people can volunteer to help set up and take down lunch, clean up that kind of stuff and so we really wanna enable all kinds of different giftings. But to show them they can come together for this type of event and all make an impact. But very, very good point, Travis. Yes, if you volunteer, you're not committing yourself to 12 to 14 hours a day. Some of the people may be working and may not be able to come till six o'clock in the evening, and and that's okay. That's great. You know, we'll plug people in where they can.
0: Yeah, I think Matt would agree agree with me on this. Even if someone can just just come for an hour and spend mm-hmm. an hour, that's with. That's awesome. We're happy with that. We yeah. really just want to see believers feel empowered and encouraged, and get a little bit of experience engaging in spiritual conversations to know that yeah, they can do it. It's not, it's not as scary as it seems, um, and it's it's very doable.
2: Yeah, and and even if they just want to listen, you know, uh, I mean, what that's one of the things that we found really. <clears throat> the catalyst behind even starting Engage 360 was evangelism outreach that a handful of us at seminary were doing years and years ago. And one time somebody said, hey, could I invite a few people from my church? They were in, they heard what I was doing and they were interested in coming. And we thought, yeah, why not? That, that makes total sense. And they ended up, uh, well, we found out that they had never shared their faith before at all and they'd never went out and intentionally done evangelism and so they were just coming to listen and by halfway through the day they're participating in conversations and after that day they started going out regularly sharing their faith and it was really encouraging and all they needed to see was see it modeled and then slowly as they were ready they started to participate and eventually got to the point in a pretty short amount of time that they were going out on their own so that's really what we hope to encourage in people is, again, you, you don't have to be the one I'm going out there and I'm doing all the talking and I've got all the intention on me. You know, just go and stand 15 feet away and listen if that's what you're most comfortable with initially and then move forward from there.
0: So, Matt, I'm going to ask you a bigger question about this. You mentioned that some of the people there had never, ever shared the gospel. So I think all believers or the vast majority of believers know that we have this command to share the gospel, it's one of the most prominent commands in Scripture. The great. <laughs> Why is it that some believers have never done so? What are the reasons people have that keep them from sharing their faith? Yeah,
2: well, I think Jordan will be able to comment on this as well. So, Jordan, I'm interested in your thoughts. But um, from what a lot of a lot of what I've seen is is a matter of fear, and misunderstanding. And so it's it's fear of what am I going to say? Am I going to say it right? What if I say it wrong? Uh, And how what if what are people going to think of me? What kind of questions are they going to ask me? I'm not going to know how to answer. So that that's one aspect of it. And then I think also just this misunderstanding, and that's maybe tied into the first one of, um, you know, Travis, if if I remember correctly, when we talked about this up at the training, uh, and we add, we asked people, what is your idea of evangelism when you hear the word evangelism what comes to mind and some of the people said things like quoting 20 or 30 bible verses um things like that and and it's just overwhelming for someone to uh, or for a lot of people who have that mindset and so what we were trying to show is it's actually you can really boil it down to pretty simple to you know Jesus died for the forgiveness of sins was buried was raised on the third day was seen and of course, there's a context and a framework, but when you boil it down and show that it really is that simple, that you're the core gospel message, it begins to be less overwhelming. But there's still that aspect of, okay, but how do you take a conversation in that direction? What does it look like to do that? And so I think fear is the big thing you have to overcome, but there are ways you can do that.
3: Yeah. Like you were saying, a lot of those fears can be tied to a misunderstanding of what evangelism has to look like. And I would add to what you said also that A lot of people only kind of see one or two models of what evangelism can look like. And in their Mm -hmm. mind, they think, I can't do that. So the person that goes up to a door, knocks on the door, and is able to very persuasively and kindly talk to a total stranger in a very intense setting about the gospel. (laughs) And if I were to see that my two options were just that or doing nothing, I would pick doing nothing. (laughs) So we need to create in people's minds the idea of kind of a third possibility of being able to have casual conversations with people about the things that matter most and people really are craving for that both christians and non-christians i've found love those kinds of conversations Um, yeah so helping people understand just how to do that and it's a lot easier to do that than knocking on a door
0: yeah absolutely i think a lot of believers also have this attitude that or this misconception that if you don't take them through the whole gospel message start to finish, then you're not evangelizing, which is simply false. Mm. How you engage in a spiritual conversation that directs people towards a more biblical worldview? You are doing some sort of evangelism through that. So um, some people think that, okay, well, if I'm going to share my faith, that means I got to somehow fit, you know, the entire gospel message into this conversation about race cars or whatever, you know? Yeah. And yeah. it's just... <laughs> It just won't go <laughs> most of the time yeah. naturally. So yeah. learning how to naturally have a conversation where you can uh, talk about spiritual things in a very natural, easy way is, is important. Yeah. Yeah, one of the
2: things that we've said is um, don't get trapped into thinking always or never when it comes to sharing the gospel in the conversation. Because there's an error at the end of you always have to jam it in. But there's also, I think, an error of well, you, that's never something you should do the first time you, you know, that could really push people away. And so you always need to build a relationship and yes, we should be approaching everyone out of love and care and building a relationship. But there are people, there are conversations you're going to have where they're ready. They were just right there at the cusp. They just needed the gospel explained to them. And so we don't want to get so far into the mindset of not, you know, ramming the gospel down people's throats that we actually become fearful in. Well, I have to wait until I feel like I've earned enough credit with this person and then I can maybe do it, but no, just approach people in love and care, find out who they are, what's their background. You know, what is their view of Christianity, the Bible, however, that might come about make progress in that. But when, when it is time, don't be afraid to share and do so, you know, respectfully and tactfully. And, uh, I think it'll go well. So don't get trapped on either end of that spectrum of always or never.
3: And so one of the great things about engage you is that, If you don't know what we're talking about, if you don't know what these types of conversations actually look like, it's an opportunity to immerse yourself in that type of environment. And you'll pick up a lot really quickly. Some of it you won't even realize all that you're picking up. But I want to go back to the training aspect because that's what you did recently. (laughs) Um, Right. What can you do? what, What did you teach on? What did you and Greg go over at this recent training in Maine?
2: yeah so we took two days we did a friday from six to eight and then a saturday from nine to three and had a lunch in between had a couple of breaks so we focused on i guess i'd say three major areas first what is the gospel and what is the gospel not and so what is the gospel we really just looked into the scriptures what boiled it down to that simple message uh first corinthians 15 that jesus died for the forgiveness of sins according to the scriptures was buried was raised on third day according to the scriptures and then was seen and it goes into the list paul goes in the list of who saw him and so what we show is that that the core gospel is jesus died for sins and he was raised and but then show that the support for that is that he was buried which is proof that he died and that he was seen which is proof that he was raised and so we really have an evidence-based reason uh, for what we believe and that we place our faith and trust in Christ. We talked a little bit about what does the word faith even mean and what is it that we're accepting by faith and went into that. And then we looked at what are the things that the gospel is not, but that sometimes get confused, whether it's because they're false gospels, false teachings that come in and that have permeated uh, varying cultures around the world or just things we add on to the gospel and unintentionally often make it kind of the gospel plus this without realizing that we're doing a gospel plus. And so we really refine that down and show some of those things. And then the third step was looking at what does biblical evangelism look like? What were they doing in the in the New Testament? How were they sharing uh, the message of hope that was found in the gospel? And so we show contrast we compare and contrast between acts two where peter is giving this the the message at pentecost and then Acts 17 where paul is giving a message on mars hill to the athenian philosophers and we say what is similar here and what are the differences and what is it that's informing both peter and paul's approach to their audience and what you see is that they're really really...
3: quick what are the audiences why did you pick those two passages
2: yeah so those audiences so one peter is uh talking to a group of Jews from all over, but they're, they're Jewish. They seem to have a very high degree of familiarity with the scriptures, uh, the, the Jewish scriptures. And so things like, um, that, that Peter draws out, including these messianic expectations, those would have been familiar to them. They knew the passages he was referring to. Now, Paul is talking to a group of philosophers in Athens on mars hill where they went to discuss these ideas and so they don't have familiarity and you know we we have a really our ministry and i think all of us on this podcast right now have a very high view of the bible of the scriptures of the old and new testament uh, of all of the value you can get from that and we want to share that with people and we all of us do however i think there's a false or bad idea out there that evangelism is just quoting different Bible verses. And the problem with that is that if there's not a context for that person to understand, or if they don't already have view the Bible as some level of an authority, then it's harder for that to make the impact. I'm not saying it never can. I'm not saying the Holy Spirit doesn't have a role. So I don't want to be heard that way, but there is often a disconnect. And if you're always supposed to use the Bible, and and only the Bible, when you do evangelism, there's a problem because Paul did not get that memo at Mars Hill. He didn't quote. In fact, he quotes pagan poet. He quotes things that were familiar with them. He starts where they are, says, I see you're a religious people. I see that you're searching for these things to the point that you even have a statue to an unknown God. You're, you want to cover your bases so much, you're so religious, that you have a statue to a God you don't even know about. Well, I've come to tell you. And then he takes the time to say, but this God doesn't live in statues made of gold or of stone made by human hands. This is the God that created everything and that he's affixed at times and places. And he's, he's put people at where they are that they could seek after him. And but now he's affixed a day of judgment and a man who will be. And he's proved this by raising him from the dead. So he still goes back to the resurrection. That's what he gets to. But rather than starting quoting all the Old Testament scriptures, the prophecies about the Messiah, you know, Isaiah, things like that, he doesn't do that. Instead, he starts where they are and draws them into the story and then presents the Christian message in that context. And we also see that he clearly was was talking before in the market and some of them heard him there and that he's going to continue talking to them and adding more detail. So. Uh, it's an ongoing conversation. Some believed immediately, some were intrigued and wanted to hear more, and some just rejected and walked away. And so then we asked, you know, what do you guys feel to the whole, we had about 30 people there at any given time, 25 to 30 at this training. And we said, so do you guys feel like we live in more of an Acts 2 culture or context or an Acts 17 context? And, you know, we were up in the Northeast, and so it was really easy for them to say much more of an Acts 17 all kinds of different ideas, more more of a rejection of religion, especially of Christianity. And so we need to meet people where they are. We, they don't have that familiarity with the Bible. Um, so that was really what covered. And then we went into doing some different scenarios as to how that might play out in our day. And so we present a couple of different scenarios with, uh, here's the background on this person, this individual, his name's Richard. He, he grew up in a fundamentalist church. We don't say what that means because that's part of the context. But it's part of the challenge is someone might say, Oh, I grew up in a fundamentalist church. Well, what does that mean? So some people wanted to ask then, okay, well what does that what does fundamentalist mean? I said, that's a good question to ask (laughs) the person. And and so we said, okay, so he's in a fundamentalist church. He thinks that Christianity is evil because it says it's the only way to God. He prides himself on being good without God. And he says to you this statement that um I don't believe in faith, I believe in science and reason. Now, based on what you know about the context, the little bit you know, and based on his statement, how are you going to respond and what kind of questions are you going to ask to turn this from just zapping him with a quick answer to actually having a conversation? And so we did some different role scenarios like that, had them work in groups as to how they'd respond, and then we came back together and then we closed with a role playing scenario where they actually had to share the gospel. Um, which at that point was the third time we'd had them role play sharing the gospel, but we presented a little bit more of a challenging intro to that with someone who had said, um, "I just think you need to be a good person, and that's what's most important," and and they had to role play how they would respond to that and bring the gospel into that response.
3: That's all incredible. Um, what percentage of that time were you guys teaching versus having interaction?
2: Oh man. It was kind of throughout it was very interactive so we would ask a lot of questions uh the longest portion where we just presented information was probably one part where we we did a a, greg did a more in-depth dive into acts 2 because we we actually took a fair amount of time to look at acts 2 and act 17. um but travis i don't know would you say at least half if not more of the time was interactive and a lot of that being them just discussing with one another or role playing.
0: Yeah, well, I didn't take, I didn't record it. Uh, the feeling I got would probably be, I'd say sixty forty, where sixty um, percent of it was uh, teaching or the sort of engagement where you're asking questions, one of those mm-hmm. things. And I'd say a good forty percent of the time was actually interperson dialogue at their table, working with each other, practicing, you know, um, which was awesome.
3: Yeah, and I ask because, Matt, you just gave the flyby of of everything that you taught, but the benefit of having us come and do this teaching in person is that we can really go in depth, and you as a church body with one another will be learning it together. So I think it's just a really neat format that uh, you and Greg have really come close to perfecting. (laughs)
2: We still have ways to go. But yeah, Yeah. interaction is key. And the role playing. I mean, Travis, you probably got some feedback on that. But the role playing is what's so crucial. It's not fun. Most people, it's really awkward. But I heard several comments, Travis, I'm interested if you did as well. But I heard several comments from people who said, I hate doing this. I kind of even hate that you made us do the role play, especially the first night when we had them share the gospel with each other. Uh, They said, but it was so important that you made me do that because it. Re- I realized how hard of a time I have clearly articulating the gospel. And I need this. I needed to fail.
0: Yeah. No, I would agree completely. People, you know, people who have grown up in the church, they hear the gospel from the pulpit over and over again, um, especially if you're in a conservative church. But they never actually speak it to someone. And they assume they can then they realize in an actual conversation when the opportunity comes that they're stumbling over their words and they don't, you know, God can use even the worst efforts. (laughs) Right. But the (laughs) efforts often are really bad when you've never practiced it. And so what I saw at the the event was that people went there and the people I engaged with, with their first time given the gospel were horrible. I mean, at least the, the ones that I heard were really bad. And everyone admitted
2: that. I mean, that's not Travis. He's not pointing fingers.
0: Yeah. Um, but then the second time they practiced it, it was a huge improvement. I mean, just one time practicing it, role playing it, made it just a massive difference in their ability to smoothly articulate the gospel. So, yeah, that role playing was, in my opinion, probably the single moat. Uh, ooh, it's tough. One of the most <laughs> important aspects of it, for sure, was the the actual practicing of it.
3: So Travis, I want to ask you two questions, a two-part question. Yeah. First, what growing up was your, or I don't know, did you grow up Christian? Yes. Okay, now the two-part question. Growing up, (laughs) what was your impression of evangelism and what type of evangelism training did you receive, if any? And then second, how would you say that the training that was offered uh, recently in Maine from Engage360 was different from what you had heard before?
0: Yeah, so I grew up in uh, what some people derogatorily call a fundy church. Um, Super fundamentalist, uh, King James only, although with qualification. Um, And so the way we did evangelism was basically door to door. We'd go from door to door down the street, knock on the door. If someone opened the door to talk, great. Sometimes they slammed it in our face. and you know, uh, there's lots of negative, and all you hear today is the negative about that type of evangelism. And I get the criticisms, and I think most of them are valid. But I will say that doing it helped me be able to articulate the gospel more so than I think a lot of believers today have an ability to. Because at least I got at least I got some practice with it. Um, but that was very ineffective as far as actually reaching the person because they very rarely wanted to have anything to do with you in the conversation. What was the, second, what was the second part of that
3: question? And that, so I guess to finish up the first part of the question, yeah. what was there any training that kind of went along with that? Like, did they teach you what to do or was it kind of just throwing you into it?
0: Oh, it was just throwing me into it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, went, I went along with someone and it was me and another teenager. I think I was 14 when I started and they were 15 and we just went door to door. Neither of oh, us wow. knew what we were doing. <laughs>
2: Well, I applaud your boldness. I love the zeal, right? The zeal is awesome, you know? And one thing I want to add here real quick is we don't want to come down as though we're saying, you know, doing door to door or doing street corner preaching or, you know, something like that is necessarily an and of itself wrong. I think what we're trying to drive for the most part as as Engage360 is that type of outreach is icing on the cake. What's most significant is are you doing this in everyday life when you have a coworker or a neighbor or a friend who, you know, is not a Christian and is yeah, has said things, you have enough background. Are you engaging that and trying to have the spiritual conversation? Are you avoiding it? And so if you have two coworkers that, you know, aren't Christians and have said plenty of things that could open doors for conversations, but you ignore those. But you go out once a month on a Saturday. I would call that and I think we would as a ministry, we would say that's a failure, not because going door to door is a failure, but avoiding the everyday opportunities, but doing kind of the checkbox style that is not ideal. If you want to do both awesome, but it should be happening in your everyday life. And then the Saturday outreach, the the you know, the church events, all of those types of things should just be icing on the cake and should be done better because you're trying to have a more conversational so because you're actually taking it as an opportunity to form relationships so i don't want to look like we're come across as and i don't think any of us would completely dogging that type of outreach it's just if that's all you do with no training no prep then it, it's it's not meeting the mark
3: i agree completely and then so travis question number two was to remind you um, what stood out to you basically about the training? How would you say it's different from other evangelism training ministries that you've seen?
0: Yeah, well, I think you, you actually first, when you asked that, you asked how it was different from the way I grew up. And I think one of the biggest distinctions is the method that I use going door to door does not really help you much in a natural conversation with a friend because all you learn is, okay, I'm knocking on your door and I tell you why I'm here, here's the gospel, walk away. And that doesn't really help you with how to have a natural conversation with someone that you interact with. So the training that Matt and Greg did, they had a huge section of the interactive part where, okay, here's a real situation, you're working with this person, how do you actually engage with this person? And a lot of the the emphasis was on ask them questions, find out about them, let them talk. And turning that into an actual spiritual conversation through just some very natural questions. And that's something that I never got. So that stood out to me um, from my training when I was a kid. What stood out for me the most of the entire event, I'd say there were two big things. One was Greg kept talking about mastering the basics, and they Mm. kept repeating just the basic gospel message. Not a, not some sort of, all right, here's a five-step, you know, here's the four spiritual laws. And once again, I think Matt would agree with me. Those are great tools. Those sorts of, you know, techniques to share the gospel, they're good tools. But oftentimes they keep us from understanding the simplicity of the gospel message itself, that Christ died for our sins, was buried, and rose again. And so the fact that they kept hitting on that and emphasizing that gives people a really solid grasp of, oh, the gospel really is that simple. It is that easy to share and they, it keeps you from getting tongue-tied of trying to throw too many things in. So that was one huge, huge thing, was the simple gospel that was repeated over and over again really helped. The second thing I've already hit on was the interaction. Uh, the putting, Forcing people to put the gospel into words to someone else is powerful. It really is. It, not only does it help them practice it, but they gain confidence. Oh, I can do this. Just seeing how much they improve from each time they practiced it, they improve in confidence. And so I think those are the two biggest things I got from the event. Well, thank you very much for your time, Travis. I think that
3: we're about uh, done with this podcast. If either of you have any final words now, um, feel free to leave our listeners with any last words of wisdom. But yeah, do you guys have anything else to add?
0: Well, I actually have a question for Matt. I hope it doesn't (laughs) extend this podcast too long. But I noticed with your uh, gospel presentations, Matt, you kept sneaking in this pesky word evidence there. Are you trying to (laughs) sneak in apologetics without telling us us about it?
2: So, so yeah. So I think there's, um, and and I believe we covered this uh, somewhat in the training. I, I think there's an idea out there that faith means, we just believe something and we just sort of pick. And so, you know, Christians, we picked Jesus and we just believe him. But the New Testament doesn't fully affirm that. Yes, there are things we believe by faith alone because Jesus said so, that we can be forgiven of sin because he said so, that he's the way to God because he said so. However, Jesus goes to great lengths to demonstrate there are reasons to believe him when he says those things. So we talked about Mark 2 and the paralytic and where Jesus says that that you may know that the son of man has the power on earth to forgive sins. I say to you take up your bed and walk. And so the healing is evidence that he is who he claims to be or has the power and authority that he claims to have. And so if we miss that, it's 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 not that we're being overly intellectual when we say that. It's that we're being biblical. And for some reason, we have a lot of challenge with that today. And there's this idea that, no, if you had reasons, then you don't have faith and that they're opposed. And that's just a false dichotomy. That's a false. It's a you don't need to divide those two things. There are things that are believed by faith alone, but faith is established by reason. And Jesus would agree with me on that one, because that's where I see it from.
0: Yeah, I mean, Jesus himself said, if uh, if I do the works of my Father, then believe me. But if you don't believe me, if you, if you see the works, well, at least believe the works, even if you don't believe me. And I messed up that verse, but the, the gist of it is, <laughs> if you don't see the evidence that I am who I claim to be, then don't believe me just because I say so. Believe based on the evidence, and Christ himself said that. So, yeah, thank mm-hmm. you. I just want to highlight the fact that you're, you are doing <laughs> apologetics in this evangelism training, but you're not doing it divorced from... The actual spiritual conversation of sharing your faith which i think is really important yeah and it's not just
2: intellectually beating people over the head or you know learning you know 20 deep philosophy books and then going around and it's it's just basically look jesus gave us reasons to believe he is who he claims to be and we should be not only willing but eagerly sharing those with people because that's how the gospel spread in the new testament uh i the only thing i would add is just hey if you want to get involved if you want to be a part of this we're going to be doing two engage you events we will probably at some point do another podcast with some people from the other one but we're doing one at appalachian state in boone north carolina and that's going to be at the end of august i'll go ahead and pull up the dates here to give exact so we're going to have that august 27th through the 29th that's a tuesday through thursday And then we're going to be having the event with Travis up in Maine in Orono, Maine, and that will be September 10th through the 12th. Again, a Tuesday through Thursday. And so if you're interested, if you're whether you're in the area or would have to travel, um, we will have information about how you can apply to do that as a short term missions trip. And uh, if you can't make one of the ones this year, we'll have uh, more next year for people to get involved with. So be looking for that. Reach out to us. If nothing else, you can email us info at E360M.org. That's info at E360M.org. And if you want to check out our website, it's the same E360M.org.
3: All right. Awesome. Oh, we'll see you next time.
2: All right. Appreciate you guys being on. Appreciate you, Travis. Thanks for having us up. We're excited about what's ahead. Yeah. Have a good day.
1: Next up is Sarah Nicholson, who will share her spiritual journey and her experience at the evangelism training in Maine. Please join us for another episode of Engage Your World.